0: Hello, my name is Rick Napier, the founder at Real People USA. Today, we have a guest who is running or considering running for Congress or running for the state legislator in Arizona. And her name is Roxana, and uh, she, is, she, com- she has a very interesting background. Uh, she used to be a police officer in Florida and she was a small business owner right there in Phoenix, Arizona. And she is just, you know, chomping at the bit to to fix uh, the problems and the challenges that have uh, that are facing Metro Phoenix. So without further delay, I would like to welcome to the Real People USA podcast, Roxanna. How you doing, Roxanna?
1: I am doing great. Rick, how about yourself?
0: For full disclosure, I just want to let everyone know that Roxanna and I went to high school together in Florida and uh, we've been. Uh, been talking back and forth for the last X number of years. That just looking at some of the things that's happened, the things that have happened, uh, you know, during the Trump administration and how Trump was bringing the country together uh, in terms of how we see it, at least as Republicans, and helping small businesses uh, get better, bringing jobs back from foreign countries. Uh, you know, just making you know America great again, like he said in his opening. Uh, statement when he was coming down that elevator in Trump Tower. And since Trump is no longer in office, now we have this new guy in office. And uh, in, in seven months, it seems like we have went back 20 years. So Roxanna is, again, considering running for Congress or the Arizona state legislator. So I would like to just ask Roxana a few questions and you know, and she will, you know, speak her mind on those questions, and it will give op- people op- an op- It will give people an opportunity in Metro Phoenix to hear a little about Roxana and what she may bring to the table for the residents of Phoenix, Arizona. So, Roxana, my first question to you is: Why are you considering a run for either Congress or the Arizona State Legislature?
1: Um, well, Rick, I, I, I tell you, um, I think Plato said it best, uh, one of the penalties for refusing to participate in politics is that you end up being governed by your inferiors. And that's, that is a very true, uh, a very true statement, in the sense that government is set up for people, by the people, of the people, for the people. And it was set up to be just everyday people, farmers, merchants, just anybody should be involved in politics, could be involved in politics, and should be involved in politics. Because like I've been telling you, if you don't, then you really can't, uh, you can complain, and you can voice, and you can get on a soapbox to your friends, but you got to try to change the environment. You've got to do your best. Um, you've got to get your word out. There are voices out there that I'm sure think like me, and uh, you know sometimes we get lost in the chatter. So this is a good time. This is there is no better time. This is a, a, an urgent time. This isn't going to be fixed quickly overnight. Uh, we didn't lose what's going on to our country or have what's happening to our country. Uh, and lose our freedoms and 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 uh, you know our our constitution overnight. This has taken decades, and it's going to take some hard work and some perseverance and some grit and grime and people who roll up their sleeves and do something that they've never done before, uncomfortable outside the box, whatever you want to call it, to get. Well, I anything. tell you what.
0: I tell you what. You started the your your our our show or the interview that we're doing. With a Plato comment, you know, a phrase that was awesome. I, I've never, I've, I've never heard you mention Plato. In fact, Roxana, I wrote that one down. You said Plato said, uh, "If you can, you repeat that again."
1: You said many things, but one of the things he says is one of the penalties for refusing to participate in politics is that you end up being governed by your inferiors.
0: Wow, that is profound. That's the first time I've heard that that Plato uh a uh, quote.
1: He yeah and and uh you know he was a student of Socrates and and a, a, you know a philosopher in his right phenomenal. Uh there are other other things other quotes that he's that he is uh, famous for. Um but as far as the political Aspect of there, he was, there were a lot of political comments and quotes and, and feelings of that day. And he says it no better than in that one particular quote. We are all supposed to be part of the political dialogue. Not a few elites, not uh, the few chosen, not beholden people, not people with oodles and oodles of money. But we're all supposed to take part.
0: Wow. Well, I tell you what, you got my vote. You can quote a Plato <laughs> on an, at, at the opening of a podcast interview. That has never happened. If with any of my podcast guests before, I'm like, whoa, that's I mean, that was a, that was profound. So th- thanks for that one. And, I, and I'm sure our listening audience, they found that very, very enlightening. So my next question is. What can you just, we'll, we'll go one by one, but mm-hmm. can you list just right now, just list the five or six top items that you are concerned about, and then we'll go through each one individually for about maybe three to five minutes.
1: Sure. Um, well, I have about five or six topics that I think are very important. Uh, one is the small business, um, the constitution. Uh, law enforcement and our border which falls under constitution education the whole community and how all of these things tied together affect the community and then I uh, would say last and not, not least important at all is election integrity.
0: Yeah absolutely so let's start with um, the first one that you want to talk about
1: well, I, uh, I was a small business owner. I had many businesses. Uh, I believe what business owners need most is the government to get out of the way. Instead, they have interjected themselves in every aspect of how you run your business. Most business owners, they, they have saved, uh, scraped every dime to realize their dream. They put everything into it. Some businesses succeed, some will fail. Uh, you know, but that's OK. That's what America is about. You have the right to try. You have the freedom and the right to try. You're not guaranteed that you will succeed. Uh, but no one individual or government should ever get in your way for trying. So the Democrats use this pandemic to shut down businesses and instill fear, uh, violating the Constitution and laws and common sense every step of the way. Uh, I believe then, you know, you leave a hole that then the, the government feels they have to come in and, and try to, to fill with handouts and bailouts. Uh, Rick, I believe the radical left wants power. They just want to stay in power to the detriment of destroying our economy and an economy that was so strong during President Trump's time in office. I believe it can come back. I believe it will come back. Uh, because the backbone of America is small businesses. I mean, everything from dog walkers, barbers, electricians, masseuses—you name it. You know, small businesses are the backbone. That's who. That's who, em- that's who employs the majority of of Americans. Mm-hmm. And so, that's small right. businesses is small business is extremely important to me. Uh, mandates have no business in in businesses. The federal government has no place in, in instilling mandates in companies, and and uh, we got to fight back.
0: That's right. That's right. So the the next question I want to ask you, I want to I want to ask you some questions about uh, about law enforcement. Please tell our listening audience because we knew each other from the age of like probably sixteen. Hmm. When did you – how did you come up – how did you make the decision to enter law enforcement? Again, we, we're just going to say the Florida law enforcement, some city in Florida, until you decide to run for, for Congress or to state legislator. But when did you decide and how did you decide that you wanted to be a police officer?
1: Uh, you know, Rick, from ever since I was a little girl, I was always a very responsible little girl. I, I, didn't, I didn't get into trouble. I did my homework. I listened to my parents. I always found myself, you know, wanting to, to do good, to do, uh, to do right. I, I needed, there was a fulfillment inside of me. I, lear- I went to a technical school. I learned a trade, and it was extremely boring for me to do it. I've worn many hats because I was bored you know I, I, I did everything from wildlife rescue I did everything from radio I did I was a legal secretary I was, it, it was just so many things and I couldn't find something inside me that was fulfilling and um, I, I met some friends who were officers and I was like you know I could do this I I could this is this is what I want to do and so I applied and I was you know young but I applied and you know got the call and and decided to go ahead and get on the police department
0: and you won some awards didn't you
1: oh oh well in the police academy they (laughs) they had you know your your top, your valedictorian, you're you're this, you're that, and and one of the awards they had throughout the academy. and The academy taught city people, it taught uh, county police, it taught people who were transferring from other departments. So it wasn't just for that particular city. One of the the things that you have to demonstrate, you know, upon getting through the academy is is uh, your shooting skills, your you know everything, but also your unarmed self-defense and that's what you're taught how to handcuff someone properly how to put them in a restraint an arm bar takedown, things like that you have to demonstrate so i did we all had to and um i guess out of my group of people i don't remember how many were in the academy with me maybe forty, fifty 50 people anyway <laughs> i did win the the unarmed self-defense award very surprising
0: so i have one follow-up question for law enforcement how do you mm-hmm. feel today about what, you know, your, your, your brothers in blue, sisters in blue are going through with how they're being treated by some of these cities?
1: Well, I can only tell you that as a police officer. Uh, and I, I was on the department for just a few years. So I was on the department for just a few years. But I'm going to tell you something. I saw <laughs> a lot of atrocities. I know how hard the job is. You take an oath. You are a police officer 24 hours a day, not just when you put that uniform on, but it, it, it becomes you, it is what you are. I know what it means to take, uh, to have the power to take someone's freedom away and not abuse that power. I know what it is to be scared, have a gun pulled on you or have to pull yours. Uh, I know what it is to want to make it home to my family. But while I'm working, I'm there to protect yours. Mm-hmm. So while the Democrats wanted to defund police, I say let's <laughs> defend the police. It is a hard, thankless, and dangerous job, Rick. No one calls you to come to their home to say, Hey there, job well done.
0: No. They right, got some they cookies call. for you.
1: Yeah, I got some cookies. No, they call because they're scared someone they're a victim of a crime. They're, who are they gonna call? It ain't ghostbusters. They call the police, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. And cops come with no questions asked. And cops come to your home not knowing anything about the situation. It could just be a nice, polite conversation that completely turns into a a scary, volatile situation from zero to 60 in two seconds. But that's Mm -hmm. what police do. You know, they need our gratitude. They need our help, not our disdain.
0: That's right and by the and way I, since and mentioned- i'll do
1: everything and i'll do everything i can to support the men and women that are out there doing this job in the environment they're having to do this job in it it is a ridiculous burden to put on these law enforcement officers that have to protect society protect the community protect themselves all while doing everything I don't know politically correct you know I don't know if I can say it that way
0: but yeah, that's uh, that's insane of what you know as a, as a former uh, uh, combat soldier and, and military veteran I can definitely relate to a lot of the things that happens with uh, police officers and by the mm-hmm. way since you mentioned Ghostbusters we'll make sure we send them a dollar because you, you use Ghostbusters on, on the podcast
1: oh <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so my next question is: Let's talk about the Constitution. Um, you know, we see every day, you know, not just since the current president has been in the office, but we've seen our Constitution slowly erode in the past, and now we're starting to see it quickly erode since January twentieth, twenty twenty-one. What are your thoughts on our our magnificent U.S. Constitution?
1: You know, the Constitution, Rick, was written by our Founding Fathers. They could foresee what this country could and would be, right? This document was written to stand the test of time. Uh, during World Wars and Civil Wars, this document has been our foundation. It is not, I believe, it is not a changing document. Uh, it's not a document for the Democrats to say that our Founding Fathers meant for it to evolve and that it should evolve. And they only want to change it when it suits them, when it makes a political statement for them to try and take our freedoms away, all in the name of patriotism. Um, That is a direct assault on our Constitution. There's nothing in that Constitution that didn't apply when it was written then to misinterpret any way that it would apply to today's events.
0: That's, right. It's, That's not, right. it's
1: not a changing document. It, if you read it and you read it by every situation we're in, it still rings true the way it's written, the verbiage used today as it was all those, all those years ago.
0: That's right. And it seems like Democrats, they want to change the, con- to change the Constitution to uh, appease how they want to run the country and how, they, how people's feelings are. And that's one of the most dangerous things that you can do. And I'll just tell you that for people who may not know, the U.S. Constitution has been the longest standing uh, document to run, uh, to manage, run and run and manage a country uh, of of any country. If you look, there's only like one other small, I think, national uh, entity that had like some type of constitution before ours. But the United States uh, comes in uh, second place. And our constitution is the longest standing document that has successfully run our country. In fact, you know, if you ever I know I'm not sure if you've been to other countries, but if you go to other countries, these other countries try to mirror their constitutions behind ours using ours as a platform or as a template. So you're absolutely correct. Now, in terms of that constitution, how do you feel about that? The Second Amendment and free speech?
1: The Second Amendment was put in place, and it's not going anywhere. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gun-toting Republican. I've, I've had a gun since I was in law enforcement. I have other guns. They're registered to me. I have them lawfully. Um, once again, they're trying to bully people and scare people. You know, I know we can't use names, so, but you, there was a bumper sticker one time that said, Guns kill people like spoons made somebody, somebody fat. <laughs> and, mm. you know, and so I guess we can't use names, but that is, that is my, you know, it, a gun. So you've got to take the gun away from law-abiding citizens. And, of course, the criminals can have them because they're not a law-abiding citizens. And therefore, then you're not going to be able to protect yourself. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think that, that that's going to happen. OK, because oh, wow. uh, I thought it was a great bumper sticker, you know. But anyway, I'm just saying, you know, I don't have anything against anybody. Eat, do whatever you want to do. But but don't tell me what I can do, and what I can't do. Don't tell mm-hmm. me I can't carry a gun to protect myself. When you're going to, you know, you're going to let all kinds of criminals and thugs and, and people out there uh, loose with guns. You know, I mean, no. And it, and it doesn't even matter if I'm not a gun-toting individual. It is part of America, it's part of our Constitution, it is part of who we are that we have the right to. It doesn't mean we're gonna. It doesn't mean we have to. It's just we have the right to.
0: I tell you what, now it's time for full disclosure. Most Real People USA listeners are probably saying, oh, this is a white girl talking. Please tell us a little about your your origin, your ethnicity.
1: I am Spanish, Cuban, and Puerto Rican descent. I'm an American. I'm born in America. My parents were born in New York City. My grandparents, however, came from Spain, Cuba, and Puerto Rico.
0: I wanted to let people know that we are talking to a, an American uh, parents born in New York City, uh, you know, uh, uh, Latina. So there you go. So my next question: I'm, Let's talk about the free speech part for a minute or two. Yes. Well,
1: Democrats don't know the don't, Democrats don't know what free speech is. So free speech means I have the right to gather. I have the right to say my my word. I have the right to say whatever I would like to say without somebody getting in my face and threatening me, throwing projectiles at me, or or shouting and trying to shut me down. That's the right of free speech. Um, By
0: the way, I also mm -hmm. want to let people know that you're not on social media at all. So no, I don't. I'm not on like social the, media. You might be one of the first uh, candidates, either at the congressional level or the state legislator, that may not have a social media account.
1: I can tell you this: I had one when we had our business. We had a a, um, a dive shop, scuba dive shop. So when we would, and I don't, I didn't know how to use it. I don't know. How use social media but we had one so that like if we did a trip you know they could upload pictures or um, you know that kind of thing so it's probably been well it's been several years Um, I know it's still active because every now and then I see someone's on it or wants to be a friend and I don't even know how to friend anybody I'm not quite sure how how it even works Um, but aside from having that on there Uh, No, I don't have I don't I don't know social media and I don't know how to do it.
0: Okay, let's move on to the the topic of uh, of education, uh, parents and grandparents with uh, kids and grandchildren. And I'm not sure what it's like in Metro Phoenix, but uh, please explain what the the local residents of Phoenix, Arizona are experiencing with uh, perhaps mandates or with uh, forced injection or, you know, vaccinations
1: well just recently I know our attorney general has sued the Biden administration um, I don't know exactly the legalese on it um, but I believe it's the kind of, one of the first of its kind um, and what it has to do with the fact that they're requiring mandates of American citizens and not of illegal people coming across the border 30% of the illegals coming across the border do not want to get a vaccine. Uh, so, first of all, to me, and I think to every normal, reasonable, prudent person out there, it is not the federal government's role to mandate anything. Um, they can ask, they can suggest, they can advise, but not force Americans to get a vaccine that they either do or do not want. And in order to survive and thrive and put food on your table and work and go to school, you have to subject to this. This is unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it is not it's not it's not who we are. We've become this because we've got these socialists uh, in, in office gain more and more and more and more power through every election. Um, but no, mandates have no, biz- vaccine mandates have no business in our states, in our schools, in our businesses, in our lives, in our, in our homes. It is nobody's business what your medical history is, condition is, what your thought about it is. Nobody's. And there was a time that if you asked somebody, oh, you would be shut down. I, th- I think personally, and I, I don't know, I think it falls under the, the uh, American Disability uh, Act. You can't discriminate. You can't do these things under ADA. How does this not fall somehow uh, under the ADA provisions for people? And maybe That's some right. people are looking at that. I don't know. But masks have no place except on Halloween. That's my thought.
0: <laughs> right exactly
1: and if you want to have it listen as far as education goes i mean this is this is crazy what's going on in our schools the indoctrination of young people's mind that that america is such a horrible uh, abhorrent country and and they're being taught this without check i am one of those that believe i mean you have a camera on you everywhere you go walking down the street going into a restaurant uh in a parking lot i think there should be cameras in the classroom. I think parents should have an opportunity to see what their kids are being taught and how they're being taught and how things are being presented. That's what I think. I think the parents have a decision to make on whether or not they're, they're taught all this social engineering that's going on in school. It has no place to go on in school. That's something parents teach their kids uh, at their homes. Kids need to be taught reading, writing, arithmetic. You know. Um, the 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 foundation to become a healthy productive person in society uh, who can achieve their dreams or at least go for their dreams not to come out already being a little militant <laughs> I'm sorry that's <laughs> that's not the role
0: yeah if you if you look back back when we were in uh, high school we didn't have none of these these problems and these things going you know going to school in Florida. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking back, you know, when I went to school. and I'm thinking we didn't have these kind of problems. We didn't have teachers uh, telling us that 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 the the white guy or the or the uh, the Cuban guy or the Puerto Rican woman sitting next to me were we were like we were any different than each other. We were just there just to learn how to read, how to how to write, how to do math, how to do business, how to you know fix radios and computers because we went to a technical school. So. It's just I can see people who are old enough to know enough. We can see how these uh, these Democrats are trying to tear down uh, all the great things that we've had in America.
1: Yeah, but, Rick, the problem is, is that if we don't do something now with these schools, the way the kids are coming out of 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 junior high, coming out with all these activists. Thoughts about how, how horrible this country is and how horrible white people are and how horrible we are to the climate and how we're killing our planet. We are specks on this planet. And this planet has survived millions of years. I don't think humans are going to take it out. That's my thought. Exactly. But, but at any rate, we have got to get a handle on the education because they're producing... Through schools, through colleges, the people who are going to take over this country, socialists. And this, this is what's happening. This is why it's dire. This is why we need, we need structure in the school. We need to get back to that. And hey, if there's, if there's an, an extra activity class for extra credit you want to take on social engineering, sign up for it. Go ahead and do it. But to be part of the curriculum, Part of uh, a brain—it's brainwashing—to say that the American flag is, is divisive and, and a, a, a symbol of racism. It's all the Democrats ever have to fall back on is racism, and it's very unfortunate. But all this really started coming into effect again during the Obama administration. He's That's the right. most—he's most divisive, divisive, whatever, however you want to call it, president ever. To, to do the th- to have the platform he had and the opportunity he had. and instead, and I think he's sitting back laughing because this was his goal all along because yep, now you have yep. this this critical race theory baloney that's that's out there teaching children that that from little, from little, that because we already have a different color skin, I'll, I'm already destined to not be able to make it. That's what you're telling little black children or brown children or whatever. Anything that's different than, let's say, a white person. And you're telling the white person, hey, you've got everything made. You don't even have to try because you got the right skin color. It, that is, it's, un, it's unconstitutional. It's almost, to me, almost a form of like child abuse to put these you know preordained thoughts that these crazy ideologists have out there into the minds of of young little impressionable children where's the you can do anything you can be anything it doesn't matter it's the content of your character not the color of your skin where is that where did that go
0: that's right that's right hey we'll send a dollar to the martin luther king foundation could you just use one of his quotes Oh, okay. (laughs) We'll send a dollar there. So we got two more topics and we'll be done, but let's talk about the community. Um, Now I was in, I was in Metro Phoenix about this time last year when I was heading to Georgia and uh, pretty much where you live, you know, you and your husband live. It was a pretty nice neighborhood. How's the rest of Phoenix? Do you, do you see Phoenix starting to degrade in certain communities or how, how is the how is the, the, the social setting the economic conditions there in in Phoenix where you live
1: I am in an area that I've seen a lot more homeless popping up um, I don't like it I think most of the, the neighborhoods they don't like it there's no there's no reason for it we're allowing it um, my my feeling is that the Democrats they've done a great job. Uh, in selling that myth that you deserve equal outcome regardless of equal opportunity, um, that is not so. And so, you work hard, you try hard, you can succeed. Sometimes you don't succeed, but to just say, "Hey, you 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 deserve this." And you didn't work for it, you didn't earn it, you didn't go out and and and, and hustle books or, or whatever your product was out of the trunk of your car to make yourself a success. Doesn't matter. I want to slice the pie because you have too much. So in my community, I see homeless more. The main thing communities can do is back their small business owners. It's got To support small business owners and small business owners have to be able to thrive they have to be able to work to grow to hire some of these people that might be homeless they have to be able to do what it is they need to do without an individual without the government Getting in their way and and putting mandates on their businesses and and being in their being in their uh, everyday lives, That's not the role of the government. That's the role of the Democrats because they want small businesses not to succeed. They want that's small right. businesses to go away because see, then what happens is you have people depending on the government. And if people depend on the government, and there are many, many people who don't want to. The government was, the programs that are there for for people who fall on hard times are there for a reason. But they're temporary. They're there to help you get your feet underneath you and get back on track. They're not there to provide your way of life in and your, and your household, and therefore you never do or try, but the, me, but the message to the Democrats is, oh, you're downtrodden, you, you don't need to try, you've been disenfranchised, you've been taken advantage of, we'll just take care of you. Well, what does that do? It just keeps people beholden on the government. And what does that do? It keeps them voting for those same people that are keeping them beholden on the government. That's all it's about.
0: So you've been to California before. You just <laughs> you Many see what has, a time. what has happened to California.
1: Many a time, uh, it, it's it's a, it's so sad what has happened to California. We like going to California. We're not that far. We go to California, and you know, for a few days, we go in there and we we spend you know a lot of money because California is not cheap. But I like California.
0: You know. So you mentioned something that uh, about the about the community and you mentioned uh, the assault on small business owners and we, we are now seeing and this is just my take and you know you can run with it if you like or you could uh, you just kind of like let it just pass but the Democrats who have always been against capitalism now have found themselves partnering with corporations with this thing called crony capitalism and that is you know big corporations you do our bidding. And we will make sure that you, you know, you have favor with the government. And one of the ways that the Democrats are now in favor of crony capitalism, which is the big corporations, like I said, working uh, in in lockstep with with these big corporations. This uh, this COVID thing has put so many small business owners, you know, out of business and shutting their doors. But it's been a windfall for the big corporations you know I, you know I, you know you name that big corporation they have benefited from these lockdowns there's there's the uh, you know the big ones that you see mm-hmm. uh, yeah. on your corner and there's that big one that you see that drives the blue truck you know mm-hmm. all, all <laughs> up and down your streets every single day and they have they have made trillions of dollars collectively off the backs of the small business owner.
1: Oh yeah,
0: oh, so, yeah. Those are my yeah. cents and, I'll add that part. And,
1: Well, no, and it's absolutely true. There are so many small mom-and-pop businesses that have closed their doors. They can't compete with these these online people. They can't compete with um, these these big places. You know, they can't. Um, We've been fortunate in a sense that our state is not like California. Our businesses are open. Our businesses uh, choose whether or not they're going to enforce any kind of a mask mandate or, or you know, for employees or, or for their patrons. Um, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't frequent any business that would tell me, you have to wear a mask. I wore a mask for a year. I did everything that we're all supposed to do for a year, okay? And I'm done. But we have, we're in an area where there are a lot of businesses that are going about their business like normal absolutely mm-hmm. like normal as they should as they should
0: I got a question for you, do you think the, the coronavirus, do you think Arizona has a different coronavirus than California uh, you know, is there, is there an Arizona variant versus a California variant <laughs> um <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't, I, I, I think it's, it's whatever the wind blows and the wind is blowing a certain way in California and some other states and it blows a certain way in, in Arizona. I can tell you, according to the government, according according to the administration, um, COVID only affects businesses with 101 people and more. Uh, if if mm. you're 99 people, oh, you're good. And COVID's not going to come
0: knocking at your door. Man, That's fascinating. That's yeah. fascinating. That the that the COVID knows that you have ninety nine employees or less. That everything's uh-huh. fine. That's that, that quite. It is.
1: It is evolving. This COVID. It is amazing how it knows that. It knows that. Very, and it's, it does. It knows that. It, it knows that. That's a that. very
0: sophisticated virus.
1: I think so. Wow.
0: Yeah. Who yeah. would have thunk it? Who Here, would have thunk it? My next question, our last topic, and this one may have been the one that should have been first. Let's Uh talk about election integrity. Election integrity. We just saw here in California how uh, a a guy that, in my opinion, probably earned 12 million votes, uh, Larry Elder. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, now we see that he got something like 4 million. And I will will say this right now, since it's my show, I can say it. There's probably, you know, Larry Elder... They say he got 4 million votes. There's enough mm-hmm. Hispanics in California that were so angry with, with Governor Newsom that there's enough Hispanics that could have voted uh, in, in, in the number of 4 million for recalling Newsom. So the election and in te- integrity thing, that's something that I'm working on with some other candidates. But I tell you what, um, that is something that every you know, person who cares about the country should be concerned about. It should be the candidates, it should be the donors, and it should be groups that are helping candidates make it to office. What are your thoughts on election integrity?
1: Okay, so Donald Trump showed the American people how irrelevant the, Demo- the Democratic Party really is. Okay, and without the media helping them, uh, with shielding them from the truth and reporting lies against President Trump they would be exposed for what they really stand for and the rhinos too the rhinos absolutely hated President Trump but because the Democrats would be exposed hopefully in the near future they are hard pressed to do whatever they need to do now to stay in power to, to stay relevant Rick and so what are they going to do? They cheat. They allow mm-hmm. those in our country illegally to vote. They allow dead people to vote. They allow people who are no longer residents to vote. And so what are they afraid of? You know, they use always, they use that guise of disenfranchisement uh, disenf- uh, to, to describe those who don't have identification. To have the audacity to prove who they are in something so important and special in, in voting. You know, who doesn't have form of identification this day, Rick? Mike, I had a therapy dog. He had to have a photo ID to go into buildings. We had to have a photo ID together. Okay. So, you know, therapy animals, (laughs) a flipping ID card. So I believe we need to have voting for me. I think voting should be done on election day only. Uh, you have to show proper identification. I do believe though, you can have a ballot mailed to you. That's it, you have it mailed, you provide an application. Typically it was done for, for um, people in the military who weren't here, people traveling abroad on business. Not because I'm afraid of standing next to a person who might have COVID and so therefore I wanna just mail in my ballot. Or stick a box here on the corner, and I'll just throw it in there, kind of mentality, and that's what the that's what the Democrats did. They broke every yeah. rule. They changed the rules because of this this uh,
0: pandemic,
1: you know. So yeah, I we have to get election integrity back, and I, I will do everything I can do for Arizona, uh, you know, to to be able to have our people trust in the, the voting system again.
0: Well, I tell you what, Roxanne, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And do you have any closing comments? I, and I have one closing comment to say, if people want to call me and uh, give me some feedback on uh, your uh, podcast interview, my number is 480 4500 That's 480-400-4500. And my closing comment is this. People in America... And I'm not I'm not saying just people in Arizona, people across America need more people like you to run for office. There's people in in the state of Maine who need people like you to run in Arizona. The same thing in the state of Florida, which, like I said, God bless Governor DeSantis. He's doing a great job. But we need people in Florida to support you. So whichever you decide to do, whether it's a congressional race or if it's, a, if it's a run for the Arizona state legislator as a rep or a senator, uh, people need to support you. So uh, if people want Thank to call you. and give feedback, it's 480-400-4500. Our website is rpusa.org. And Roxana, please close us out with any comment.
1: Thank you, Rick, for giving me the, the opportunity to talk to you, because I'm just talking. I'm unfiltered, I'm not a politician. I believe there are just two fundamental differences in Democrats and Republicans. Democrats are for big government. And if they provide you free food and free shelter and free medical and free money, then they have the right to control the way you think, eat, live, and vote. Republicans do not think that way. But Republicans are gonna have to start getting tough. They have got to stop kowtowing and being afraid to say what they need to say, because soon our country will not be savable. And I use that word. It sounds dire, but I never thought I'd be in a situation that I'm in thinking of even trying to, to get my voice out there. I'm hoping other people think like I think and, and are or have the concerns that I have. So... Thanks for the, for the platform. Thanks for, for getting my message out. I'll, I'll be making a decision here soon as to, to how I'm, I'm going to proceed. Um, but there's no more time. We're having, we're having critical issues now. We have an administration that is killing our country. And we have a situation now, and you said it earlier, with big companies, social media, Social media is running the elections, and unless we somehow grasp that back, do something where we can really take a look at who's voting and who's wanting, we're, losing, we're going to lose and we'll never have it back again.
0: Absolutely. All right, Roxana, in Arizona, considering a run for Congress or the Arizona state legislator, make it a great day.